Hi, hello, welcome to another episode of Isaiah's Newsstand. It's your host, Isaiah Edwards. The date is August 27th, 2022. It is Saturday. Yeah, it's been a nice day. Overall, good weather. Let's see, for me, what uh, what is what is there the personal news to give you? Honestly, not much. I've been working, 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 working. Hmm. I'm trying to think if there's anything else to really add there. There's no food corner. I wish there was. I wish I had something like spectacular to tell you. Hmm. Nope. I've been just, I've been eating in, eating my 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 regular little meals that make no sense to anybody. But uh, overall, things have been good. Been in a good mood, good spirits overall. So I'll take it. Uh, besides being exhausted, but you know, hey, I got some R and R a little bit. You know, got some little wrist coming right now. So at least for tonight and tomorrow but um yeah we get to podcast get to talk to the world and talk about some news catch up with y'all so yeah let's just let's just actually get into it huh we can start with the ukraine stuff i believe this month uh this week marks the six month i guess anniversary i guess we're counting in uh half months or half years right now you know i mean i wish makes sense but it was uh, also coincides with Ukraine's Independence Day, which they had a bit of a damper because, you know, they there was definitely fears that Russia was going to do some kind of act, some kind of operation. And sadly, that did happen. It took place on Wednesday. Oh, let me, actually, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here. We can go ahead and run the title like we usually do. Uh, the first article I got from Yahoo News, and I got this from also via the Associated Press, it says 22 people reported killed in Independence Day attack in Ukraine. Now, that number might be, you know, a little bit higher, maybe lower, I'm not sure. Uh, I, the numbers can always vary throughout, like, you know, a week when you hear something, and then article to article, so... But in this, they say 22 people, um, also including an 11-year-old. And this took place at a train station in Chaplin. Let's see. Um, yeah, it hit f- uh, the rockets hit five passenger rail cars. So um, that's, you know, a lot of damage. Um, really just not... You know, it's sad that this is still happening. And and I do feel like I was talking to a coworker and, you know, I mentioned uh, Ukraine or something like that, you know, because I you know, talk about it, you know, once a week. And he's like, do people still, you know, care about that? And I'm like, no, not really. And I, I mean, I, I, that's just personally how I feel, even though I do cover it. I feel like the whole point of my podcast is to move lockstep with what I hear in the news and, you know, I know at least via podcasts, obviously news articles, stuff like that, there's just always something out there about it. But as in regards to, you know, people do, do people personally care? You know, I've said this on and off throughout, you know, the coverage of everything. I just feel like it wanes and it waxes, but mostly wanes. Um, and I think that's just a trending thing. Now... Let's see. This article does go on to talk about some other stuff as well, which I wanted to kind of hit. 
I didn't know this until I read it, but apparently Boris Johnson made a third trip to um, Ukraine. So I was like, oh, okay. Um, also, uh, you know, more or less imploring other Western countries to, you know, continue to support and stay, you know, with the cause. Also, Joe Biden announced new military aid package of nearly $3 billion to help Ukraine. So more money, more problems. You know, it's like more military aid, whatever. But, you know, the the money's still flowing. <laughs> it, it definitely shows that this is just something that is going to continue and keep going. I do have another article coming up. I'm not quite done yet, I don't, I don't think. Uh, but that kind of further illustrates that. I know... There was kind of thought that, hey, could we wrap this up? Could could this get done before winter? Because no one really wants to see that happen. But it really looks like this is just going to keep on grinding along. You know, real like insurgency style. Well, I I almost want to say insurgency style, but I don't think we've really gotten there yet. There's still conflict. You know, there's still skirmishes. are still fighting. So, I don't know. But, like, I don't know if you really can call it that yet. But... Also, the article does hit on the Daria Daria Dugina, um, like the car bombing situation that happened last week. Um, also, just something that I kind of wanted to add on to the Alexander Dugan did the funeral, um, like did like the eulogy or you know spoke at her funeral. I guess I don't know if it's exactly the eulogy, but you can kind of see from what he was saying kind of more or less just turning his daughter into a martyr for this, like for this this fight against Ukraine. And also with what Russian intelligence has kind of said is, I don't really know if it's kind of, I think they've more or less said this is the line, like the narrative that this was Ukrainian attack. They um, said that they have footage of a woman who was reportedly like she checked in coming from Ukraine to Russia, then got an apartment in the same area, like same complex, I guess, as uh, Daria Dugina. And then I believe the night of the explosion or like the next day, it was said that she was fleeing to Estonia, this person. And they're saying like, oh, this person has ties to Ukraine. She has ties to like the Azov Battalion and Ukraine has denied this. So it does feel like it's reaching. It does feel very stringy. I I definitely know on the propaganda end, though, it just, it's always, a, it's like one of those things where you can spin it, spin it, spin it, spin it, spin it hard enough, and it kind of makes it worth it. So they're like, why not? Why not just turn this into something? So that that's seemingly how that's kind of developing and, and gone into. Let's see what else I wanted to glean from here. Oh, yes. Also, the nuclear plant in Zaporizhia. The power went out, which was a big deal, but it has been, you know, restored. But it's showing that, you know, hey, there's still more fighting. There's still more chaotic shit going on in that area. And, I mean, it remains to be seen. Uh, Technically, that could totally be another Chernobyl situation. And, you know, it just seems every day like we're just kind of waiting and seeing, you know, which is fucking wild. But that is that part of Ukraine-Russia stuff I wanted to cover. But I guess definitely more on the Russian side of things. 
I got this from NBC News. Putin orders Russian military to increase its forces as Ukraine war passes six-month mark. The decree will increase the number of service members in the armed forces by 137,000. Big number. Big, big number. Let's see. Yeah, it's a 10% increase. Uh, and it would bring the total number once actually put into place, which I believe they're aiming for July 1st of next year, to 2.04 million. Now, something I didn't know about, but it doesn't really surprise me, that Russia still has like a draft, like conscription kind of thing, and that, you know, the ages are 18 to 27. So essentially, it's just a matter of raising up the volume of, uh, you know, conscriptions and, you know, calling them to service, calling them to fight. So I think it's something that Putin has tried to avoid. He's definitely had, like, mercenaries and other kind of services, like the Wagner Group. Uh, I know he had, they've set up things like, like a program to recruit people from Syria to fight uh, for, like, you know, more or less it's money that that can help their lives out and and you know get them through but essentially you're sacrificing yourself but you know for just some random ass fucking i don't know like you're more or less filler fodder like i don't know crazy shit but essentially i guess they're finally biting the bullet now and saying hey like we need more we just need more bodies it has to happen so that's a development for sure. It's definitely showing that, look, we are going long here. Obviously, the initial plan of saying, hey, we're going to just kick down the door and we're going to hit, you know, Kiev and we're going to take it all over. That shit didn't work. And, you know, they've definitely consolidated things now, but nothing is for sure. You know, U- Ukraine is getting more and more military aid every day, every month. And, you know, they're showing that they're going to keep fighting to the end. So, and in terms of, like, you know, any kind of peace talks, any kind of concessions, I kind of think that's bullshit. Like, I don't think it's going to happen. I would like it to. It's an inevitable end that has to happen in any kind of war. But both sides at this point are saying we're not ready to do that, though. So, I mean, I think this is definitely one of those signs that it is going to go long longer you know so that is more or less what i wanted to talk about for the you know russia ukraine installment keeping it international though this is also i guess you could say an update we've covered a little bit about it uh just the situation in pakistan in terms of government i do also believe too that i think they had some flooding but that's just kind of something that's gonna get probably lost in the cracks from this podcast but I wanted to talk about uh, the former Prime Minister Imran Khan, actually in the title here. Got this from Yahoo News via Los Angeles Times. Uh, Former Pakistani Prime Minister Imran Khan charged with terrorism. So, this is on the heels of him, you know, losing, you know, power. Uh, There was a vote of no confidence. Um... 
we've you know kind of covered the situation i know obviously i never do super good when it comes to these international issues because i feel like i'm just like not just one step behind but two and there's like a lot of history stuff like that but essentially here the pakistani police have filed terrorism charges against imran khan and at first when I read it, I was kind of like, man, they, it does seem like they're, they're a little bit out of pocket. Like, obviously, this guy wants his position back. He's going to fight to make that happen, and he's going to, you know, push for it. And also, he has said things like, oh, this is all the plot. Um, like, the U.S. and the Pakistani government and the military, they're all against me. They're all against us. And he's been really trying to rally other people. And now, this is not just a normal politician. It's very much in the same vein as Donald Trump. And I do feel like that way of doing politics, being a populist, like leaning on that kind of energy, that kind of vibe, is just, it's just the way of things. And, I, and I'm not even, I feel like it. it's definitely worded like Trump like coined it. But I just think it's just such a great example in our time. Like, but I think a lot of politicians just kind of make this play of just like appealing to the people, appealing to their quote unquote sensibilities and trying to act and say that they're anti-government. But the second they're in government, shit just doesn't work. And it's just like, yeah, you're just another cog in this machine every time, every time this happens. The wheels almost always fall off. And sometimes even worse, because these guys were just pretty people that you elected. They had no political acumen and they just drove the government they drove the state the country whatever into just fucking more ruin so even so you know he's saying all this he's popping off and i'm like okay the terrorism charges to see like when i heard about that this week i was like that's intense it's pretty crazy but kind of going into how he's been going about it it does seem to at least kind of make sense and then also to it's, I, I believe it's kind of alleged in this that the Pakistani government has kind of used this as a tactic, as controlling the situation, bringing quote-unquote balance, I guess you could say, for themselves, for better or worse, depending on your point of view. So, you know, essentially, he's been charged, but there wasn't a move to arrest him yet. Um, the court of Islamabad had issued a... They say in the article, so-called protective bail for Khan um, for the next three days, preventing police from arresting him over the charges. So, I mean, that's kind of a big deal, but he's still going to have to, like, you know, show up. And, you know, he has been. It also is said that, like, he normally has, like, really flashy, loud retorts, stuff like that. But on this, he, he when they saw him, you know, get into court and, and talk on the bail hearing, he was business. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, here's a quote from him, though. Uh, we will take over Islamabad. And my message to police is, don't be a part, don't be part of this political war anymore. Oh, wait, no, that's uh, Ali Amin Khan. This is a former prime minister under him. So essentially, there's just been kind of mass appeals from him, any of his, like, group that are just saying, like, you guys got to stop. You guys got to, like, fight the power here, more or less. And I think that these are the kind of things that can add up against you in a situation where a government is saying, like, oh, you're getting a little terroristic, you know? You're getting a little, maybe a little bit too hot here. So, 
And essentially, obviously, this is being looked at as like a political assassination attempt, if you will. Uh, I believe there is a chance of like five years of jail time. But then on top of it, he couldn't run for political office anymore. He couldn't run for prime minister. So it's, it's a big deal. Um, there's definitely a lot of stake, it seemingly, for both sides. Oh, oh, and this is something that I thought was really interesting. He made an appeal when, I believe this is like a sort of rally. Yeah, let's say it was, it's a speech that he did at a rally in the city of Rawla, Rawalpindi. Um, let's see what he says here. Um, a plan has been made to place our party against the wall. I assure you that the Sri Lankan, Sri Lankan situation is going to happen here. Khan Warren, referring to the recent economic protest that toppled Sri Lanka's government. Now we are following the following law and constitution, but when a political party strays from that path, the situation in Pakistan, the situation inside Pakistan, who will stop the public? There are 220 million people. So, I mean, it's just definitely one of those things where he's trying to like stoke, just stoke fear and flames and like that is honestly a really smart comparison to make to people because that's when you look over and you go, yeah, that could be us. That could be us. And you start to freak out. You start to get scared. And that's the kind of talk that I can understand the government going like, mm, you don't like this, man. Like, you're kind of definitely out of pocket for this. So, I don't know. Also, um, it is claimed that his uh, political aide... Shabazz Gill was abused uh, while he was in custody. Now, um, when he came out of the hospital, and then I believe he had a court hearing, that said that he was, you know, appeared healthy on television footage. Now, you know, hey, I'm I'm never gonna sit there and say that the government didn't do something, police didn't do something, but at the end of the day, you're making a very bold statement saying like he was, you know fucked up and abused and tortured and then he's coming out just like fine so i don't know there i don't know know. who knows who can say right but i thought this was all interesting and a very solid update um hopefully i can get more as time progresses to see how that's going to shake out let's see i got another update for y'all also from the los angeles times um unsealed affidavit sheds new light on FBI case for Trump Mar-a-Lago search. So, essentially, there was a judge. Let's see, his name is a oh, federal magistrate judge, Bruce E. Reinhardt. Uh, he ordered Thursday that the affidavit be publicly released with the Justice Department's proposed redactions of anything that would identify individuals involved in the investigation, including witnesses cooperating with the FBI. About half the document is redacted, including entire pages. So, I mean, I think it's like a 38-page affidavit, so about half of it. I was surprised to hear that much was even actually um, readable, so there, there, there were things to glean, I suppose. I mean, in my opinion, and I, I'm surprised that I've come to this opinion, and maybe it is just because I just am biased against Trump, but I'm just like... This is, yes, it is unprecedented. It is, it is, this has not happened. This is new shit. You just, it's not every day that a president gets his shit raided by the FBI. But the FBI didn't have to even give out the warrant. 
They didn't even have to tell motherfuckers. They could easily, ooh, excuse me, move in silence on this issue, and that could just be gospel on it because that's just what they do. Like the Alphabet Boys have always been the Alphabet Boys, and I don't understand why because this is now a Republican beef that all of a sudden we gotta like stop time, space, and the whole goddamn car. But um, you know, here we are. We're we're doing it, and honestly, like I said, it's kind of like the situation. In that Godzilla movie where dude goes, let them fight. Because it's like, yeah, if you if you two motherfuckers got a, got a, got a beef, then I'm down to get the popcorn out and watch y'all duke it out, pull each other apart a little bit. So, you know, here we are. Um, in terms of them, you know, releasing this document, like I said, I'm, I'm surprised that it does show, I guess, what it shows, but it doesn't show too much. Essentially, um, you know, the FBI has come out and said, hey, we don't want to do this. Because we are actively pursuing a potential investigation, and that could jam it up, giving out too much information. It could, it could, you know, play our hand too soon, and that's not what um, that's just not good business. And I, I mean, on that part, I totally get it. Um, you know, also in terms of how things have unfolded so far, for sure. They don't want to list the names of any FBI involved. They don't want to list the names of potential witnesses and people they want to talk to because then it, th- those are all a bunch of targets. So you don't want too much to get out. I mean, that's the whole point of redacting shit. Naturally, we hate it because we want to know the truth. And actually, it was a news organization that you know, trigger this whole situation to make it happen. It's not necessarily the Trump party doing it, but they could easily, you know, have at least put out, like, in terms of, like, the warrant, they could have showed that they're being very coy about what they want to hear and what they want to see and all this kind of shit. But, um, ooh, you, might, you guys might have a... <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to give you guys another bad Trump impression. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little addicted. Um, but let's say here, let's see here. Uh, Shortly after the affidavit's release, Trump decried its heavy redactions in a true social post. The best way to get news, of course. Nothing mentioned on nuclear. A total public relations subterfuge by the FBI and DOJ. Or our close working relationship regarding the document turnover. We gave them much. Okay, that wasn't great. Also, I will say, Jamie Foxx apparently has a really good Trump impression under his belt. I was uh, going through Twitter and I saw it and it was, he kills it. It's pretty funny. Um, but let's see here. There's more details. FBI agents removed 11 sets of classified documents, including some marked top secret and meant to be available in special government facilities and 20 boxes of materials from Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate in Palm Beach, Florida during a search. According to search warrant, which... Uh, U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland agreed to release among with an itemized list of removed items. The department is investigating possible... Okay, they go into um, what potentially he could get, you know, charged on. Um, Just stuff regarding, like, the Espionage Act. Um, You know, you're not allowed to take documents. You know, you're not allowed to... And in a way, I, I, I can understand how, as a civilian, you go, what do you mean? Like, these documents are just pieces of paper. Don't you have copies? Don't you make, like, backups or whatever? Like, who cares? Like, 
it's 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 minor shit but kind of how we discussed the last time that we talked about it these are documents that are supposed to go to the national archive at the end of a person's term so once the president is out these documents are supposed to be moved to the archive and stored they're there for historical purposes but they're also there for protection because this is a government building that is a protected area mar-a-lago is not that now, you know, Trump has argued but put up any no evidence that he has declassified these while he was in power. And uh, or even that he could, because like you said, you have to like actually have like notice of that. Like, there, but there isn't. There is no evidence that that ever happened. He didn't do it in some secret thing. He's just making that fucking shit up. Um, but and this is all stuff that's under the Presidential Records Act of 1978. So, like, this is stuff that it's not just, like, it's not just ceremony. It's not just, like, you know, good manners. Like, you're, this is legally what you're supposed to be doing. So, you know, that's the kind of shit that Trump's up against. But do I personally think he's going to actually get any kind of jail time prosecution? I don't think so. I, I think that this was made... And I think it was pushed because they needed the documents and they've been trying to get them back. And I think the last time they did, more or less, the Trump like legal team staff signed over saying, hey, to the best of our knowledge, we gave you everything, buddy. Here you go. And they looked and they said, this isn't everything. We know it's not everything. So this is what this was about. They had to go above and beyond just to get this fucking shit because this guy, this guy doesn't want to play ball. Trump does not want to play ball with them. Even though he keeps going to talking about like, oh, I've been so cooperative. Like, no, the fuck you happened, man. <laughs> Come on. So we'll see. Um, but also in terms of like the nuclear stuff, uh, that was kind of something I didn't really cover too much. Like, but like, that's like the top secret, like SCI, yada, yada, yada stuff. That's what that was. Uh, you know, we don't know exactly the details hence that's what trump is kind of playing off of like well they didn't say it so that didn't happen but that's just potentially just to show you the level of what the 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 clearance on these documents are it's not like these are just casual pieces of paper now granted some of these things are just like little memos and stuff like that little notes he has himself but still they become a part of the record so that's more or less what we're talking about here I'm sure there's more that you can go and look at the Los Angeles Times and, you know, potentially become a subscriber. I'm not. I appreciate this not being paywalled, so thank you. But, yeah, we can move on. I'm going to hit my classic break. I hate knowing I'm going to burp. I hate knowing that's coming. And I can't fight it. It's inevitable. Let's see. We can get into some news, though. We can cover that while we wait. I got this one directly from the uh, Associated Press. Let's see. Student loan forgiveness could help more than $40 million. Now, this is the good news. Uh, as good as I think we're going to get for a little bit, okay? Um, essentially here... Um, Biden finally did something with uh, the student debt. He is more or less going to do what he can, I guess you can say, kind of circumvent, sidestep Congress a little bit here. 
I believe he can work with the Department of Education. And, you know, with the combined use of, like, they're tied with, like, the loans and all that kind of stuff, they can just absolve the debt. They can just delete it. Now, obviously, this is definitely one of those, uh, how do you say, cut the baby moments. Because Biden, you know, rode the wave of talking about debt cancellation. But when really pressed about it, he said, like, he would like to see something like $10,000 happen. Which is something. It, it's not nothing. Um, there it was. Um, but he essentially got $10,000 in federal student loan debt for incomes of 125000 or households that earn less than 250000 And he's just going to cancel that. Um, he's also canceling an additional 10000 for those who received uh, federal Pell Grants to attend college. So they're more or less using the Pell Grants because, like, I actually got a Pell Grant when I tried to start college, which we'll do a little quick tangent about that. But the Pell Grant essentially is something that is just like, hey, we know you don't have much money. We know you're a broke bitch. Here's a little bit of money to kind of get you in the door. And you're like, shit, I'm trying to get into college. I'm trying to make it happen. So thank you. Yes. Yay. Thank you. Money. Uh. So uh, they're using it as a bit of a marker to say, hey, now there's a ton of numbers on this shit, man. There's a lot of details here. And you know, that's where the devil is. And I stay away from that man. <laughs> so there's going to be some things I miss for sure. I implore you. I implore you. I'm telling you guys, if you are you know, someone with some college debt right now, get on this because it is a limited window. Like you got to get in. Like now, granted, there's also some other stuff uh, in terms of unfreezing it. He's saying, hey, it's frozen till January 1st of next year. Then it's game on. It's money time. But like I said, we're going to try I'm going to try to cover as much as I can in this article and just the stuff I remember, but it's a lot. But let's see... Um, like I said, this is supposed to be the final time for the pause. I, I kind of inclined to believe that, at least in terms of his presidency. Maybe th- things might change in the future, but like what we're looking at here. Um, also, there is a cap. So I, I think, um, let's see, for department students, their parents' household income must be below 250000 so there's that. And, and that was more or less there to make it so it's like this isn't supposed to be something that gets off the wealthy. Like the average, you know, engineer, scientist, you know, doctor, whatever, doesn't get like just extra quote unquote free ride. But uh, there's so much to this, man. Like, honestly, I'm of the camp. I know this is already a tangent. I'm of the camp of this should be all forgiven quote-unquote i hate that word for this forgiven what do you mean school has become a capitalist model motive and that's why we fucking suck when it comes to education because it's about making fucking money and or if you're not making any kind of big money job then guess what you're gonna be fucking a cog in this fucking machine so go do some fucking manual labor bullshit um i hate that because if you just quote-unquote socialized the education system 
everyone could have an education at a good, decent price, or I don't know, let's get fucking crazy maybe with the thought and say for fucking free. Wow, wow, I know I'm going full socialist, I'm going full commie, but like, it makes sense. It really isn't the craziest fucking notion to make something like this, something like goddamn healthcare, just something that's just like normal. Like, it's just tied to you being a human being. But um, because we need to make it a, a profit model and we need to milk the teat of every fucking person who wants to learn and wants to get a real job and like do something with their fucking existence, I guess, quote unquote, because we got to make money or we definitely die sooner. Um, this is what we have. And uh, at least this is some kind of thing that is good. I believe one third of people now can have their debt. There's their college debt just done and they're and they're able to crawl out of this officially. So that is the upside. That is the good news. And, you know, you got to take the good with the bad. And we usually get a lot of bad on this podcast. So I'm taking this. Um, but that being said, it, there's a lot to do here. Um, I agree with, like, obviously the more progressive way of thinking that um, more should be done, that this isn't enough. Uh, I also don't want to split hairs here. I, I I want everyone who has any kind of fucking debt at this point, that that shit should just be gone in terms of this kind of shit. Like, what the fuck? Um, there's also been some restructuring in terms of, like, how the interest works, whereas, like, as long as you're making your monthly payments, then you're going to be fine. The, the government's going to cover the interest. So that's dope. That's fucking cool. Also, I'm not 100% sure on this, but I'm pretty sure it's like if you fall under the 225% bracket of poverty, then like you can just keep going on paying zero. Like I said, don't quote me on that. I feel like I'm interpreting that wrong. Uh, That's like one of those too good to be true things. But that's from what I've gathered from also like listening to like other podcasts, stuff like that. Um, Also, I believe in like 20 years that your debt as long as, like, your debt is going to be forgiven. So that is a cool part. Now, obviously, people from the right are just, you know, all up in a tizzy, all up in a hubbub, and they're just crying bloody murder. They're saying this is going to hurt inflation, and Biden has said, no, like, over time, this is all going to definitely wind up bouncing out. Like, Yes, this is like involving taxes and stuff to kind of quote unquote, you know, smooth it over, pay the balance, but this is going to work in the net positive over time. Um, Also, because it it is making sure that people are paying. So instead of just keep, you know, kicking the can, kicking the can, so to speak. So um, also, maybe this is more pertaining. I don't know how how much more deep I'm going to keep going on this, honestly, but... I do like that, um, I got this from CBS, uh, White House calls out Republicans who criticize student loan cancellation, but have thousands and PPP loans forgiven. So, uh, not just the White House, and I'm not really getting into the article, I just kind of want to use it as a bump, but, um, in the article though, they do call out, or the White House calls out, um, Marjorie Taylor Greene, because she comes out and like, you know, starts talking bullshit, yada, 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 doing her, you know screeching blah blah um and they're like but uh congresswoman marjorie taylor green had 
$183,504 in PPP loans forgiven. So obviously she's down to say, oh, please help me, help me, help me. Now, granted, those kind of things were for like COVID relief or what have you, but I'm sorry. She's a, she's a well-paid congresswoman. She did not need it. She did not fucking need it. But guess what? The government helped her. So um, why not help actual poor people? Why not actually help people who were trying to start their life and get through and make something happen for themselves? And now they're shackled with this debt that they can never, ever get from out from. Honestly, there's a good chunk of people, two-thirds, mind you, who are still shackled with probably enough of a debt that they still are going to be stuck with for the rest of their fucking life, sans this the forgiveness 20 years or what have you. <clears throat> so, shit. I, I don't know. Um, also, getting uh, racial with it, this is something that affects black people, brown people, people of color way more. Um, and that's just a statistical fact that black people are shackled with more debt to get the same jobs. It's just, that's the way that this winds up happening because of how you got to come up from the goddamn mud. Um, but people are going to be mad. People are going to cry. People are going to bitch and moan. And, uh, what are you going to do? Well, I guess you got to let them, right? <laughs> it's a free country, huh? But, um, I say, hey, this is fucking cool shit. I don't know. <laughs> um, thank you for sticking with me. Uh, thank you for listening. It's pretty much the end of the episode. Gotta hit shill mode real quick. Uh, Patreon.com slash Isaiah News. Um, if you want to support, any dollar amount helps. $5 will get you um, Discord access. Also, I will shout you out on the podcast. You know, I'll say your name. I'll shout whatever you want me to talk about. You know, whatever. We can get into that. But yeah. Also, I got a free way to hit me up, uh, Isaiah New, Isaiah News one at gmail.com. And I'm a social butterfly, so you can pretty easily find me. I'm, I'm, in, I'm out here. I'm in there. I'm where you want to be. Um, <clears throat> that's, that's all I got, guys. Uh, I'm sure I will see you for another episode. We'll cover some more stuff, get into some more news. And, um, yeah, hopefully I see you soon for some more good news. I love you. Bye-bye. Mwah.